0: British Columbia is world-renowned for its natural beauty, diverse communities, and thriving culture. It's also known for being in the grips of a housing affordability crisis decades in the making, which has been compounded by a poison drug crisis and by the COVID-19 pandemic. The province has an ambitious plan to address the crisis through the largest investment in housing affordability in BC's history tasked with building tens of thousands of homes in hundreds of communities is BC Housing, the province's agency responsible for developing, managing, and administering a wide range of subsidized housing and homelessness services across the province. BC Housing doesn't do this alone. To address the challenge, they're working with hundreds of partners. In this podcast, you'll get to hear from those delivering innovative and exciting affordable housing solutions. I'm Sarah from BC Housing, and this is Let's Talk Housing. Today, we'll be taking a closer look at one of the most vital portions of the housing system, shelters. Shelters are not homes, but they are a key resource. For people who rely on shelters, these spaces can be a lifeline. Not only do shelters provide a refuge from the weather They are also safe places where people can access food, showers, washrooms, and be connected to services including healthcare, counseling, income assistance, and cultural supports. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on the ancestral homelands of hundreds of Indigenous peoples and nations across British Columbia, each with their own unique traditions and history. Today, we are on the ancestral and unceded homelands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations who have been the caretakers of these lands for thousands of years. We offer our respect to their peoples, past and present. Also, in full transparency, this episode was recorded in October 2021 and reflects the issues at that time. Joining us on Let's Talk Housing today is Mike Musgrove, Executive Director of Surrey Urban Mission, also known as SUMS which has been working since 2001 to transform the lives of those experiencing homelessness in Surrey through shelter, meal programs, and community connection services that assist with health, supports, housing opportunities, and income assistance. Also joining us is Gwyneth Jones, a social worker and member of the Health Sciences Association of BC. Gwyneth works for Vancouver Coastal Health helping connect people in the healthcare system with housing and shelter. Now, before we start the conversation with Michael and Gwyneth, I want to share a clip from Anthony, who recently stayed in a some shelter.
1: I was living in a house and uh, they sold the house underneath me. They sold it and then they told me they sold it. So I couldn't find a place. I tried looking, nothing. I ended up homeless because my mother died in 2019. June 1st. So I ended up in another shelter for three months and then I moved to a house and then I came to here.
0: Gwyneth let's let's start with you as part of your work with people who are facing homelessness are the experiences that we heard from Anthony similar to what you hear from the people that you that you work with every day and and how do you support
2: them through that? They are I would say also with the folks that I'm working with on the downtown east side often some often folks are they've been in homelessness for quite a long time. So there I do come across folks where their story is is sort of a a newer experience. Um, Certainly we know the pandemic has put a lot of pressure on people um, in a variety of ways, um, which has increased um, housing instability for folks. Um, I find on the downtown east side, often though I'm working with folks that have been homeless for many, many years and have multiple, multiple barriers. and, And I don't know Everything about that gentleman's story, so I, I don't want to say that he doesn't also have barriers, but um, certainly, if you add in you know mental illness and addictions and um, you know chronic health conditions, like you're just your the options for you just narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow and 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 people get stuck in shelters. Um, although I will say I've worked with folks that prefer shelters. They really feel like that's a space that works for them and they feel really supported by the staff. And And that wasn't something that I I understood um, until I started doing work in, in this kind of space.
0: Gwyneth, you mentioned something I'd like to dig into there. What about a shelter could make that the right choice for someone experiencing homelessness?
2: People that I've spoken to really like having the choice and they can find a space that works for them and the flexibility. So, um, you know, a low barrier setting is really important for some folks, a place with a bit of a higher barrier setting, some more rules, they feel safer there. Maybe um, if they're in recovery, they feel better supported by that. Other folks who at other stages, maybe in their addiction journey, really need a, a harm reduction oriented space. So certainly that. Um, flexibility there is important. Um, And often people really feel incredibly supported by staff and shelters. And that's something that I didn't realize until I started doing this work, um, that, you know, staff are providing so much amazing support to clients and clients really feel that. Um, So much so that, you know, from a healthcare perspective, we would almost consider it, you know, an alternate level of care where, you know, if we're trying to get someone assessed for more home supports, Sometimes VCH staff will come in and say, "Oh, actually, they're doing great. They don't need any home support." It's like, "Oh no, that's because these guys are doing all this amazing work and offering medication reminders." And you know, the food is often really important for people. They talk about what great food they get, and um, so that was something that was really interesting to me. I had always assumed, and and certainly this is true for people that shelters are a, a one stop on their journey, and they want to move on um, to something more secure and that's their own, and they can close the door. But some of our guys, they really, they like the communal environment. They like the people, the energy and the extra support they get, which I just hadn't occurred to me until I started doing this work.
0: Now, Mike, through, through Sams, you operate shelters in Surrey, which is BC's second largest municipality, a very diverse community. What are some of the unique challenges that Sums faces in providing services to people experiencing homelessness in Surrey?
1: We, we really have to try to not take a unilateral approach to to care, and I think what Gwyneth was was talking about is really key uh, that that every one of our um, guests has a unique. Uh, level of of uh, giftedness and needs uh, that we want to learn and and serve uh, so we have we have someone who comes in and may need uh, home health support uh, until that home health support's there we're working on that um, and then and then hopefully getting that as quickly as possible um so so the struggles really um, are being able to serve the needs of the folks that are coming in um, to be able to care for them in a way that that is effective uh, without without uh, um, having a profound negative effect on our staff we have a, a lot of older uh folks coming in with with uh, incontinence issues and and uh, uh, coupled with addiction issues and other uh and and it becomes quite difficult for our staff to 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 work with that and I think that as soon as we get you know, collaborate with, with, uh, we're Fraser Health. So, so as soon as we collaborate with them and get services in, we're able to lift that, that need. Um, but I think all in all, if if you're looking at like the, the issues that we're facing, uh, a, a stagnant, uh, housing environment where people are unable to, to move forward. So you're trying to, to create a sense of community and belonging in a, in a situation that, that could become quite, um, well, just a a place for, for problems to just continue. And so, so trying to uh, move people forward emotionally um, when they're not really moving forward physically, moving people forward with some of the decisions that they're making without moving into independence. uh, You know, those, those are some of the struggles, but uh, also really like the best part of the job, when you're able to, to kind of see people learn and grow and become part of a, Feel good about themselves and become part of a, a, a community. We really do. Uh, we really do. I know that shelters are not housing, but we really do want to strive to make every one of our shelters feel welcoming and like a home. Because the options aren't really there right now, we, we do want to see more and more um, people find safe places to go. But uh, like Gwen has said, too, they the there are some people that just. Um, thrive in the shelter environment that haven't done real well in housing uh, someone who who is uh say a hoarder someone who collects a lot of a lot of stuff uh, i mean i think of one person in particular he he had been housed a few times and each time he would fill his 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 house with with the stuff he was collecting and then he'd be back out on the streets because his house was too full of stuff And in a shelter environment, we're able to work with that and and every day monitor and work with him on some of his needs. So, so uh, yeah. But I mean that that's just one person. Like when I talked originally, I said a unilateral response is probably you know this top-down approach and a unilateral response to to the needs as opposed to really getting to know the individuals and building our action based on the the individual as opposed to what we see from a top down is a unilateral. Um, this is going to work for you.
0: Right, right. Mike, I'd like to build on that. Uh, certainly, you have seen the importance of not taking a unilateral approach during your work on the front lines of the pandemic over the last few months. Can you talk about how Sums has supported people during COVID?
1: Yeah, pretty exciting uh, and and devastating and all of those things when, when COVID hit in uh, march 2020 and we had a uh a quick announcement that that we we might be uh, having to open an erc so uh, emergency response center and we start doing our research trying to figure out what is going on how people respond to these pandemics um And it was, I mean, and, and then you have shelters that are too crowded. We're having to, uh, to decrease the size of our shelters. And there was just so much going on. And coupled with that was opening an emergency response center that really was at first, potentially for people that were COVID positive. Um, Then it was about, uh, you know, uh, uh, decreasing capacity of, of shelters so that, so that there was more space for folks for safe distancing, and then you know, but it's been it's been an absolutely, I think, amazing experience with the collaboration portion of it, with working with Fraser Health. They they're embedded into the ERC. It's I think at times prior to COVID, we were working at odds at times, getting people coming from the the hospital into the shelter, and you're like, what's going on? And now we're just really. Um, I think that the level of understanding that we've gained, uh, working with Fraser Health, with the the what they've gained in understanding the shelter system and the importance of it, and the the unique needs that we have, uh, you know, has really been amazing. And and on that whole idea of collaboration, we've had we've had just an amazing time of of building connections with other societies, other other areas in the in the region that you know we're we're in meetings from, from, you know, Vancouver to Boston bar and, and this stuff is all very uh, new to us and, but exciting. And you're seeing the world COVID kind of made the, the world of shelter and caring for these folks kind of tighten up a little bit. And I think that's been uh, you know, a, a real, um, you know, benefit, but the, it's been, it's been a, I mean, it's been nonstop. I mean, I don't know if uh, you guys all recall, but well, probably do but the um the amount of changes that were coming but imagine those changes like as you're going through them in your life you're being told no masks no gloves yes masks yes gloves. but that's being that's being spread through um we're we're growing we're suddenly opening another 96 beds we had just opened a a shelter uh so we've really grown from one shelter to now you know a, a lot and um and we're, we're now having these changing procedures constantly. Uh, It was, it was, uh, it was a real challenge and uh, trying not to create that kind of insecure environment with our, with our guests, right. Was, was the biggest, probably the biggest challenge of, of it was we're going through such a transition, but you don't want to pass that on to, on to the, you know, folks that are already kind of Frightened by what's going on, and uh, you know, dealing with a lot of um, you know insecurities to begin with.
0: Oh, absolutely wild times! Um, it's bringing me back for sure. Gwyneth, from your perspective, working in the in the health system, how what how did that collaboration
2: work in Vancouver during the COVID response? It was fascinating. It was fascinating to watch these uh, some huge agencies and some really nimble smaller community agencies come together. I when you could still go to meetings in person just right before super hard lockdown. I stood in a huge auditorium like we you know everyone was being very responsible with social distancing. And there were representatives from, you know, Vancouver Coastal Health was there, City of Vancouver Park Board, the Association of the Community Centre we were standing in. There were at least two not-for-profits present and there were there was at least I can't think of them now, but I mean this huge number of folks representing their agencies. And we were all there because we were going to try and open the CRC, you know, this emergency response center. And um, people were, it was just remarkable to see it happen. And there was a certain level of, yeah, like chaos and confusion and fear. And, but also it was like, this is happening. We got to get it done. Let's do it, you know? And so it really certainly strengthened a lot of relationships, I think, as, as you were saying. Um, and, um, yeah, built some sort of, some more trust that, that between agencies. Um, and then certainly like helping the not-for-profits, um, like fill the emergency response centers. It was, was one of my roles during the COVID, uh, the, the team that I worked on. So, um, being able to respond to them when folks were like, uh, this guy came out of hospital, you said these things were dealt with, but they haven't been like, can you help me problem solve this? hundred percent. You know, I could be the person who then called back to the hospital. And because I was a VCH member and part of the care team, I would get answers that shelter staff wouldn't get. So they felt more supported. The hospital felt more supported. The clients felt more supported. Like it was, it was quite remarkable that way. Um, Of course, you know, there wasn't the same problems always apply. There's never enough beds. You know, we, we got, I think, something like seven or 800 referrals for some for these beds. And we were able to place, I think maybe 130, 150 folks over the course of the time that they were open. Um, So, so those things are still, are still a reality for sure, but it was exciting to be a part of, of, of that. Um, And just, yeah, strengthen those relationships and build some trust and communication, which was, that was very cool to be a part of and to see that clients felt well supported Again, good food, good staff. That was the other thing. These agencies, not-for-profits are trying to hire at the same time, right? You're trying to onboard people. People don't know where the telephone is. Like it's a new building, you know, like it was just chaos, but everybody did a phenomenal job and the clients felt really supported and people were really happy with the experience that that I heard from.
1: Yeah, I think that you really hit on an amazing aspect of all this and that's what you can do that we couldn't do before. And, uh, I, the, the, the ability to communicate and get movement and help and medications and it, this, this took so much time for us before. And now like even getting home health, we, it, it was, it's now very quick, you know, and that was all pressure on our staff. And now we work in and, and then we hear like, Okay, this person needs to take these medications. Then and then and and we work with with folks and we get this medication out. Uh, we uh, that that was really exciting. The other thing that I wanted to cue in on too that you mentioned was was uh, training. Uh, we we were, I mean, at that time it was when we don't know what's going on, and so
2: sometimes so, it was changing. Like you get news in the morning, and then by the afternoon the protocol was different. You're like, what?
1: Completely, and we had. Um, we were saying we're, we're building the plane as it's flying, right? Was our constant motto during the uh, the ERC, and we also had this kind of um, um, this this idea that we were at, at war, kind of that this was this was very serious, and you weren't gonna you weren't gonna ask questions right now. You were just gonna do what you're told. Um, and it sounds really harsh, but when you're training forty people on protocols that are changing constantly, you can't ha- you don't even know the answers to the question you just know that the protocols are changing um you know i i think the first day we didn't know whether we were supposed to wear masks or not um and gloves whether gloves were supposed to be worn
2: and well, and, could uh, you get them even if they were supposed could you to get be them?
1: Worn? I mean supply was 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 so difficult we were like okay well you know what we, we used to dispose masks all the time and now it's like keep your masks it was uh, man so so exciting and and Traumatizing yep. and <laughs> and uh, chaotic and organized It's just like such a cacophony of 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 uh, you know um, things going on. But but what a wonderful I, I, one! I just wanted to really cue in on the idea that training was was amazing, and then uh, just as far as bringing it together it was very difficult. And throughout all this, BC Housing has been so incredibly supportive. Just not a lot of like working through how do we get funding for this? It was like, we hear you, we believe you, let's get that done. And it's been, that part has been just phenomenal. Just the, the kind of the red tape was just removed. And it was like, we're, we're, there's no time to be asking questions. We need to act. And it was amazing to see. And, and so many partners, like really like the collaboration part of this, but Mm -hmm. it's been fantastic.
0: There's so much that we can learn from this, right? So as we're recording this podcast right now, we're in the fourth wave. Um, and in Surrey, in the downtown east side, we know that our communities are being impacted by, by the fourth wave and the, and the Delta variant in particular. But hopefully sometime soon, we're going to be through this pandemic and into an endemic. Um, looking ahead to that, Gwyneth, what do you think that we can learn from the collaboration between healthcare and shelter providers around how we can provide shelter and, and housing to folks in the future state? What lessons do we take from this?
2: Gosh, I, I hope that people take you know that sort of spirit of of like that we're all on the same team, you know. And and I think people like academically sort of thought that before. I I, I did, you know. I'm like these are all our clients, really. They're moving between different services. But it's hard when you're trying to, you know, navigate systems that are putting in roadblocks, not to get irked with people and then other people in that system pick up on that. So I think the the improved relationships, the improved, you know, um, kind of communication, better understanding, like certainly the role I was doing at the time was was that liaison role in, in a smaller group of folks. Um, so to be able to expand on that and build new relationships was really fantastic. So. Yeah, I hope that people can help with those communication pieces, so that if people are having needs in shelter, that they can be met more quickly by a healthcare provider. Um, I think what we've learned in terms of longer term housing, you know, for folks that do want to transition out of shelter, and it could just because I work in healthcare, so this is what I see, but that there are it's really important to have healthcare pieces built into these to these new settings often. Um, at least with the folks that I work with, very rarely is it that they're able to kind of waltz out the door and and just be successful in a in an independent living situation. Um, I'm sure there are folks out there for whom that's true, but not so much for the folks that I work with. So to have those extra supports, staffed buildings, healthcare going in, um, that's that's really helpful. So I, I look forward to seeing that sort of as things as we move forward and take that learning. Um, And I do feel that certainly funding partners, in this case, it's really mostly the province, but uh, the feds probably too, and and the city where they can, um, they've recognized that. And so people are really, that conversation is way easier these days about things that we need, which is exciting because it hasn't been that way for, for a while anyways.
0: Yeah. So Mike, from your perspective as a shelter provider, what are the steps that we need to take going forward to provide the best types of supports and services to people in the shelter system?
1: Yeah, I, I think a key is to not lose the collaboration. It's been absolutely phenomenal. It, I, I really do believe that with the, the uh, health being embedded or uh, closely linked, we really can move from the the needs faster and start looking at giftedness and building on gifts, harnessing the gifts that, that are, that our guests have and carry that we, we so often ignore because we're so busy addressing needs. And I think that once you can start doing that, then you, you build on that to start building that, that belief, you know, the care for self. And, you know, that's where I think that's where we can really begin to see great work. Um, that's when we can see, people really successful as they move on to housing and uh it's it's uh that that's really key for us and and i think that along with this is is the ability to move from a, a less of a top down approach to to caring for people and and working from a base of understanding as opposed to the the I think the traditional, you know, this is the way we're going to do it top down approach uh, where the people that are impacted the most have the least say. I think now is the time where we could if we can continue this, which I'm really excited about, we can start building from the voice of the people that are impacted from the decisions the most.
0: Absolutely. And that's a really great way. to to end today is just a reminder of the importance of building from the voices of people in the system. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you, Gwyneth, for joining us on Let's Talk Housing today. Let's talk again soon. To learn how to apply for subsidized housing in British Columbia, visit our website, bchousing.org. You can also call us at 1-800-257-7756 that's one 800